To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry with C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten. It's good to be here with you. Good morning. So, if we were just right before we started the show here, there's a gentleman that lives across the street from the Taoist Institute where we do the show here. And at the end of the last show we were recording, suddenly his music started creeping in. I started hearing it in the background because we have the mics turned up. And uh, I look outside, and there's a guy just blaring. Ranchero music, and he's painting the lions on the front fence of the house. And I thought, that's if you ever wanted to see an LA moment, it was <laughs> right there. If you've never been to Los Angeles, it's a guy painting the lion on the front of his house and listening to Ranchero music. And the Chinese lions, we're talking about Chinese food dogs that yeah. guard the temple gates. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, isn't that, isn't that great? We're in America here. We have a Hispanic gentleman with a big Bernie Sanders <laughs> sign. Painting a foo dog of Chinese. This is the melting pot right here. It's, this is it's perfect. Yes, for every you know, for all the uh, people seeing the disharmony in the world, right across the street, we saw a beautiful place of uh, harmony happening right there. <laughs> and then we kindly asked him to turn it down, and he he said yes. He was very gracious. He's a very nice man. But to be fair. When the Kung Fu master from across the street asked me to turn my music down, I usually capitulate. Like, no, we've uh, been neighbors for a long time. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. So what do we got? We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Chong Su here. And I've been, uh, we, a couple weeks ago or a couple shows ago, we, I uh, went through the, the beginnings of uh, Chong Su's inner chapters. And now I'm kind of in the middle of the inner chapters. And there's a couple... Things I, I picked out, and um, Chong Su. I guess this would be kind of the. I guess you have the Tao Te Ching, and then uh, Inner Chapters by Chong Su would probably be the second most important book in the Taoist canon. Uh, that and the I Ching, certainly the Book okay. of Changes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we went over a couple shows ago, and the the, the great thing about this uh, book is it kind of some of it, most of it is kind of told in, in parables or stories of of two people talking about something uh and so it's kind of a in, instead of being like poetry like the Tao Te Ching it's more like prose yeah I guess you would say so the interesting thing maybe you can enlighten me on this here uh see Joe is uh, it, as we get towards uh, chapter four in the book there's a lot of conversations between different people and Confucius now as I was taught about the Tao is originally the Tao came out as almost an antidote to Confucian culture and to Confucianism, which was very kind of regimented. And the Taoists were kind of these anarchists from like the, <laughs> the real school, I guess they called it. 
that came in to kind of almost thwart this kind of rigid conformity into seeing uh, you know the, a much more nuanced existence, I guess you could say. Right. So in here, though, in Chong's book, Confucius is speaking like a Taoist. So uh, how, how do we square that circle? Well, Confucius was said to have met Lao Tzu, actually, mm -hmm. and was very impressed by him, of course. <laughs> how could you not be impressed if you met Lao Tzu? Right. And so I, I think it gave him, you know, everything is a matter of what? Perspective, mm -hmm. right? And uh, Confucius was a highly, highly intelligent gentleman. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he wanted to be was... Um, uh, fair, just. Mm -hmm. Being just was something that I think was very important. And having things in balance and in harmony. You know, Now, he had a kind of a, maybe a more rigid uh, way of imposing and uh, you know, perceiving what har harmony was between, you know, in, within a family, you know, between the father and the mother and the children and the oldest son and the oldest daughter and the youngest son, the youngest daughter. You know, he was looking at all of these structured relationships so that ultimately there would be balance and harmony. And harmony, yeah. See, so e even there, even in a system that, you know, we might look at and say, oh, this is more rigid, the, the, you know, the, the motivation for that really was harmony and right. peace. So the, the end goal was the same, it was just a different the, means the, to an a, end. A little different method, different means to an end, exactly. Yeah. So uh, in this story, uh, basically there is a guy whose job it is to take care of kind of a petulant prince. And so the guy comes to Confucius and he says, you know, how am I going to deal with this kid? And, um, and, the, and the, the guy says to Confucius, he says, I will be inwardly firm and outwardly compliant. I will arm myself with examples from antiquity. Being inwardly firm, I will be a follower of heaven. Being a follower of heaven, I know that the prince and I are both sons of heaven. Why should I mind whether or not people approve of my words? People call this being childlike, but this is what I call being a follower of heaven. Hmm. Is not caring what other people say about your words because you're in line with something much deeper yes. and lasting yes. than the kind of uh, temperamental opinions of those around you yes. that can change like the wind. And, yeah. and also, listen, listen, listen to what he just said you know, about being having kind of the, the courage of his convictions yeah. internally, but externally being more flexible. Very yin and yang. Yes. He, that was he, yin and yang right there. Rooted in something deep, right? But then on the outward, bending, yes. bending with the wind. Yes. You know, like a, like a tree or a bamboo. Exactly. Right? You know? It's perfect. Oh. So uh, let's see here. And then later... Uh, Confucius is speaking with him, and and then he, he's saying, you know, how how do you deal with this prince? Who's again? A, a, I see it like if you were uh, being a handler of like a like Johnny Manziel, like the crazy quarterback alcoholic, <laughs> right? Yeah, how, how do I mess? How do I contain this guy? And Confucius says, you know, kind of when you're dealing with this other human being, do not listen with your mind, but with your vital energy. Ears can only hear, the mind can only think, but vital energy is empty and receptive to all things. Tao abides in emptiness. Emptiness is the fasting of the mind. Mm. So listening with one's vital energy. Yes. It sounds very... I, I feel that, 
but I can't intellectualize it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, Sounds like Taoist alchemy, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so how does one? This might be. This might be well, a three-hour-long answer. But yeah, how does? Well, I'll try to keep it shorter than that. What is vital energy? Well, of course, the Chinese word for vital energy is qi, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And all and physicists, any physicist will tell you that the common substance of the entire universe is energy energy right and so if all things come from energy and return to energy because that is the matrix the substance of what how this entire universe is composed then what did he say about vital energy he said uh, ears can only hear the mind can only think but vital Vital energy energy is empty and receptive empty. to all things. Yes. And so if you look at space, you know, if you, you know, the entire universe, if you get a telescope and look out there, you can see all these stars and planets and moons and asteroids and on and on and on and on and on. And it looks like from here that space is filled with things. It is not. <laughs> 90 plus percent of space, probably 99% of it, is vast Emptiness, right? Just ether. It's just ether. But is empty really meaning there's nothing there? Mm -mm. Of course there's something there. And so that dichotomy between being appearing one way and yet actually being another way, I think Confucius was signaling that he understands that out of emptiness, you actually create, you have the energetic uh, constituents for creation ah for creation so it's almost uh allow that void that field in you to be kind uh, reflective of the outside right. and, and allow it to, right. to grow and nurture it's, it's like the empty cup right you know the, the cup is useful because it's empty and yeah. it can contain whatever we pour in it right, right. If it was already full, there's, you, can't, you can't use that cup any longer. Right. It has lost its usefulness, mm-hmm. the full cup. Right? Yeah. Sounds like poo almost, right? The, yeah. the uncarved block. Right? Right. <laughs> and so the, a, a, Taoist, a Taoist way of being in the world allows for things to manifest according to their own inner nature, mm-hmm. which we hope, of course, is in alignment with the forces of the universe, the Tao, Mother Earth, and so on. Mm-hmm. Because if it isn't, that's where you begin to create disharmonies. And when you create disharmonies, disharmonies in your ecosystem, you're in trouble. Yeah. Because your ecosystem can revolt. Yeah. Because we need the air to be a certain way. We need the water to be a certain way. We need plants and fields and crops and all these things to be a certain way. You know, there is a bandwidth where uh, all of these things uh, support and nurture life. Right. And outside of that bandwidth, you you do not have the conditions that are conducive to life any longer. Right. And so you, it's almost like being a, a, and not almost like it is, it's like being a, a, a custodian of a garden. You know, we, we are really here as custodians on planet Earth. We are earth keepers. We're, we're, we're trying to keep this garden, this field that I keep alluding to, right. we're trying to keep the conditions of this field uh, ripe 
and, 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 and filled with nutrients so that life can grow in its own natural, most uh, beneficial format. So he's kind of saying, tend your own field. Is it like, uh, it's, but vital energy is receptive to all things. The Tao abides in emptiness. Yes, the Tao abides in emptiness. And that's one of the most powerful, I think, things about the Tao is the embrace of emptiness. Where in kind of Western society, we're always told, I'm not fulfilled. Right. right, right. We and have to acquire things. We have things. We have to acquire things. We uh, we we can't enjoy an empty moment. Right. We have to always either be acquiring things or doing something or saying something or thinking something. This constant doing, 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 and the way of the Tao is to do less and Ad- less. Addition and by less. subtraction. Exactly. And what, in fact, one of the famous chapters in the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu says, maybe the most profound thing in the entire book, when nothing is done, nothing remains undone. Right. Yes. 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 So the only thing remaining then is what? Pure energy, pure consciousness, pure conscious awareness. In, in in a field in a universal field of the entire universe, that is the basic substrate of all existence of all life, and and these are just the manifestations of it. The, the, but, but yeah, the, the ten thousand things. And, and the interesting thing is, uh, like, uh, was it? Was, it was like Caesar Milan or whatever the dog whisperer, and he's like, your dog sees you as a big bundle of energy. Mm-hmm. And how your emotional states and how you are projecting that energy is the the biggest way to get your dog to react to things. Or what's what they're really reacting to? Yes. That state of mind you have. If you, if you have anxiety, the dog will have anxiety. Yes. So the dog is reading this energy. So I always think to myself when I when I'm, I, I kind of see it in like a, a sense of the Tao and one's own energy, how they're projecting it. Um, that subconscious energy that people pick off. Of, of each other and those vibes we get off each other yes. and tending to that and keeping that correct and pure is a, uh, it's a very subtle art, I guess, yeah. but, uh, cleaning the field, right? Cleaning the field of uh, excess attachments, excess karmic attachments, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of a sidebar, but just talking about energy and vibes and things that get, people get off each other. I remember I, there used to be a guy that I worked with at a radio station and he must have had some energy about him that every woman that came within 10 feet of him wanted to run away. Mm. There was something very creepy or whatever. And women are very, very sensitive to those types oh, of yes. things. Women's intuition. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was Dr. Drew once said that, you know, uh, men have the innate ability to, to, to detect BS and women have the innate ability to detect creepy. <laughs> and there was this guy and I don't know what and every woman I talked to this guy I said what's the deal with you know the guy over here she goes I don't know about him. And no matter what <laughs> universally he gave off this energy that I could not perceive that every woman would not have anything to do with it. Uh, so who knows? Danger will Robinson. <laughs> So, yeah, and there's ways to actually to learn how to become better at that. Yeah. <laughs> actually, there are actual skill sets to be taught, you know, in terms of uh, learning how to project this field, the, our, 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 our 
you know, every person is, is is kind of trapped inside their own head, inside their own skin, mm -hmm. if that's the way we perceive ourselves to be. If we have a more expanded sense of who we are, if we're feeling we really are part of nature and part of the larger environment, then anything that breaks that harmony, we notice instantly. Mm -hmm. oh, and true. so if we aren't just in our head and we're more kind of out there and feeling that we are a part of the greater whole, then uh, I, I, can, I can actually teach people how to avoid dangers and troubles and external things that might be of danger just by becoming more sensitive and aware. Ah, okay. It's actually a meditation oh. method oh, okay. to do that. <laughs> and I was thinking real quick, just back, backing up to what you said, uh, it, it also goes back to self-concept. If my self-concept is kind of narrow, then I will find myself not in harmony with my surroundings more often than not. Right. right? If my self-concept says that I'm... I'm only good at these things, or I only get along well with these types of people, or, or that kind of thing, then I'm going to be constantly feeling out of place, yes. anxious. But if I have a broad, if I start deleting things that I put on myself, if I just mm -hmm. see myself as a you know citizen of the world mm -hmm. and walk around, then I can uh, yeah, live in greater harmony and and open myself up to experiences and learning Absolutely. that would never would have happened before instead of just saying, my name is Todd, I am a 39-year-old American, I am this, I am that. But if I just, if I just open that up more, then suddenly I will, be, I will feel welcomed right. in every room I walk yeah. into. We become our definitions of ourselves. Right. And if we think that I am, I am only this and only that, then, well, that's all you are. Yeah. But if you think that, no... I am in harmony with the Tao. I am this empty vessel capable of being in unique relationships with anything that appears. Then you you've just taken away all the limitations. Right. Yeah. yeah. You've just un, you, you've just walked out of a, a prison cell that you didn't know was locked. That's right. You know. I always, I always wonder. I said, you know, if I were to become my perfect self, I would walk around and I would be someone that was. Of no social economic class, what people wouldn't know if I was the richest guy in the room or the poorest guy in the room. <laughs> they wouldn't know my ethnicity. <laughs> they wouldn't know what year I was born. Right? I would just, you know, ageless, timeless, classless, yes. unclassifiable being. Right? And let me give you a. There's a really simple way that takes you know ten seconds to learn of how to be that way mm. with your environment. You you're breathing right now. Or you would not be uh, here with us. <laughs> yes, okay. So you, you have a rhythm of life about you, and that's our breath cycle. Right. If you expand that and imagine, you know, that tree across the street, I'm going to breathe with it. That man across the street painting his uh, little lions out there, I'm going to breathe with him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to breathe with everyone on this block right now, and then everyone in this city, and everyone in this state, and everyone in this world. Mm. If you just shift your awareness to feeling the rhythms of harmony between you and everything else in your environment, you've just made that great leap. Wow. And how easy is that? Oh, wow. That's uh, podcast listeners. Take a note. <laughs> uh, 20 some odd minutes into this show. That's a big, huge takeaway. Yeah. And, and it's so it's simple. True. It's so simple. It's, it's, a, it's a being open. 
thing. It's kind of like, you know, when you uh, play music, like I, I play guitar, and I've had many experiences. Uh, I, I'd like to have more, but there's a certain thing that happens when four people get in a room, and it's almost like you find a common mind. It's this weird, weird phenomenon. We yes. find this common mind, and everybody seems to be working on something we all agreed upon, but nobody stated. Yes. It just ha- it was created out of everybody. Yes, you just in sync. Yeah, my father was a uh, bluegrass musician mm. from West Virginia. Wow. Ding, 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 and he could do all the, the finger-picking stuff. And he would say, he goes, you know, sometimes when the band would really get cooking, something would enter the room, mm. is what he'd say. And it was this feeling everybody knew it was in the room. Mm. And it, you know. But then it, with, with those types of things, something enters the room... And you're going on it. And the moment you pay too much attention to the thing in the room, it disappears. <laughs> then it's gone. <laughs> then, it's, then it's gone, right? Again, that's that emptiness, just allowing things just to be what they are without becoming attached and thinking about it too much because then that moves, that shifts us away from it yeah. and, then, and then it's lost. Right. Ah, I lost it. Was a friend of mine, we used to think, you have this thing called the game. And he goes, I'm going to tell you about a thing called the game. Every time you think about the game, You'll have lost the game. <laughs> so ten years later, I'll just be walking down the street and go, "I lost the game." <laughs> so it, it, to to wind up this this particular story here, so Confucius kind of puts a button on it and says, "So then, flow with whatever may happen, and let your mind be free. Stay centered by accepting wherever whatever you are doing. This is the ultimate. How else can you carry out your task? It is best to leave everything to work naturally." Though it is not easy. Hmm. So once again, so then flow with... So anybody listening right now that happens to be doing something, you're, you're gardening, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're cutting up an ox, whatever. <laughs> so, so then flow with whatever may be happen, ha, with whatever may happen and let your mind be free. Stay centered by accepting whatever you were doing. This is the ultimate. Yes. You accept what you're doing. Yes. You, uh, it's as my... Uh, my my uh, my wife once said to me, "Relationships become a lot easier when you have both feet in the door." Mm. You know. Mm. So what else we have? We have another uh, situation here where there's another guy who's trying to uh, work with a, a crown prince. Another one of these <laughs> pain in the butt princes. So the guy comes to Confucius. <laughs> Confucius probably made a lot of dough off of oh another consultation with a crazy prince. Here is someone who is naturally violent. If I allow him to remain undisciplined, the state will be in danger. And so uh, uh, the, uh, the person that came to uh, the Confucius says, appear to be flexible but maintain harmony within. However, there is danger in doing these two things. While being flexible, be sure to remain centered. So be flexible, maintain internal harmony, but remain centered as well. Yes, yes. While maintaining harmony within, do not display it openly. If you're too flexible and lose your center, then you will become over, you will, you'll be overcome and destroyed, and you will collapse. If you try to demonstrate your composure, you will be criticized and slandered and called a devil and a son of a bitch. Some cursing. And nothing. But, but the interesting thing is, if you try to demonstrate your composure, then you will be called a devil. If you, you know... It's like you, 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 you almost you see the man walk into the room with his shoes that are too shiny, right? Someone who's trying to project an image. Mm-hmm. If you try to tell people who you are, 
people aren't going to like you for it. <laughs> they want to make their own decision about mm-hmm. who you are, re- reflect anything on, on top of what you are. Mm-hmm. It's a, like almost when someone appears to be too holy or tries right. too hard to you know, per, per, project this image of perfection. You, yes. see, you see it on social media all the time. People trying to tell you who they are constantly, you know, but, but if you, let's see, if you are too flexible and lose your center, then you'll become, you will be overcome and destroyed. Yeah. I think that uh, one of the things, similar to the last uh, part of the story, in a, uh, Confucius is uh, counseling us to maintain our center and to be flexible to the uh, vicissitudes of outside life and other people and other situations. But yet we have to be who we are, true to ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. And, and by being true to ourselves internally, but not this putting that on display well this is what my beliefs are see that because that sets up a kind of a straw dog (laughs) that can then be attacked by other people so if we are here if we're kind of uh, walking our path because we know who we are but yet creating the space for other people to walk their path and be who they are then there's mutual benefit right everybody everybody wins in that situation. I didn't have to lord it over you to try to impress you with who I am and that my way is superior but because I was confident enough in myself so I didn't have to do that. Right. You know, I teach martial arts and that's one of the big things about martial artists. You know, we don't have to fight because we have nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. You know, the person who has to prove, oh, I'm not a coward, you know, they just, you know, wade into uh, situations and cause disharmonies because they're, they're afraid of what other people will think of them, how they will look. Mm-hmm. We don't care what we look like because we already know what we can do. Right. <laughs> so there's nothing to prove. Right. There's nothing to prove. I can let myself be me and I can let you be you because I know that you can't harm me, really. <laughs> and if you have that insecurity walking around with you, you, the need to prove something, you will find many people in this world who will want to challenge you. Oh, yes. You know, oh, yeah. if, you, if you walk around with that kind of insecure energy, it's like the dog at the dog park with the insecure energy. When, the moment that thing, sucker walks in there, <laughs> nine dogs are right on its, on its butt, you know? Yes. Um, and, uh, and also the, the interesting thing, I, I was just thinking, you were talking about you know, staying true to yourself and your, 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 your core and remaining flexible. Uh, I, I, if you are true to yourself in your core and, and you are correct in, in, in your, your practice and in life and, and beliefs and everything, mm-hmm. then uh, people will believe you because they will see everything good will manifest around you. Yes. Or you will, you, you will have an air of success or an air of peace and all that. And the example of how you live your life will be uh, much better than uh, than pe- people will cling on to the success that they see. And yes. I don't necessarily mean financial success, but mm-hmm. people will then understand and appreciate it much more than you telling people exactly. what it is. It's, it's that second degree that, that mm-hmm. people will agree with. It's like, better to model something yes. than to just talk about it. Yes. As we say in advertising, there's a, if you just say, this, gives, this product gives you blah, 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 people tune out. Yes. But if you model the benefits of it, yes. then people will be willing to listen to your message. And you know who's really good at picking that up? Children. Ah. 
Children don't, they don't listen to what you say. They look at what you do. Mm -hmm. They look at who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, because they're innocent, right? You know, and so they see things as they are. And, uh, and people who, who just go and, and claim that, oh, I'm this and I'm that, ah, the kids just turn their back and walk away. Right. Because they, they, they know the truth because they can see. Right. They can see. Mm. And we all need to develop. We need to see that's the, you know, the way of the Tao is to go back to the source, to revert. We all need to be Lao Tzu's that all the time saying we have to kind of re return to that childlike innocence. Mm -hmm. Right. So we can see things as they are. Yeah. And children have boundless energy. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just energized all day long. And how do how does a child live and learn through play? Right. right? Everything is play for them. And yet we take things so serious, and it, that's not that's not the best way to learn yeah. by by being in your head and seeing distinctions between this and that, and not having any fun. Right? Oh my gosh, that is the that that is like the death of creativity right there. Oh yeah, you have to you you have to play. Uh, let's see here. So the, the, this last little thing I'll go over is a, a story I quite liked, and it's about a carpenter, and I think the carpenter is interacting with Confucius. It could be. Let's see. Let's see. What do we got here? What do we got? So, a carpenter was on his way to the state of Chi. When he got to a, uh, a village, he saw an oak tree uh, by, next to a village shrine. So, he had a shrine and he had an oak tree. The tree was large enough to shade several thousand oxen and was hundreds of spans around. It towered above the hilltops with its lowest branches 80 feet from the ground. More than 10 of its branches were big enough to be made into boats. There were crowds of people as in a marketplace. There were crowds of people as in a marketplace. The master carpenter did not even turn his head but walked on without stopping. So you have this big, beautiful tree, and the carpenter walks right by it, when normally you'd figure a carpenter would marvel at that mm -hmm. because that's, you know, his <laughs> perception of life. He sees trees in a way that I wouldn't understand them. Mm -hmm. So his apprentice took a long time, like, looking at the tree, and... Uh, it said, since I've taken up my axe and followed you, Master, I've never seen timber as beautiful as this, but you don't even bother to look. Why is it? And the carpenter said, stop, say no more, that tree is useless. A boat made from it would sink. A coffin would soon rot. A tool would split. A door would ooze sap, and a beam would have termites. <laughs> it's worthless timber and is of no use. That's why it's re reached such a ripe old age. <laughs> And so, uh, and so, you know, <laughs> if it was going to be useful, it would have been cut down into a, tree, uh, a coffin or a boat already. <laughs> and then, so that night, uh, the oak appeared to him in a dream. As for me, the, the tree says to him, as for me, I've been trying for a long time to be useless. I was almost destroyed several times. Finally, I am useless, and it is very useful to me. <laughs> and so then later his apprentice says to the man that the tree came to in a dream, If it had such a great desire to be useless, then why does it serve as a shrine? Hush, the carpenter said. Stop talking. It's just pretending to be one so that it will not be hurt by those who know it is not useless. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sorry, he says, Hush, stop talking. It's just pretending to be one so that it will not be hurt by those who do not know it is useless. So, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful, 
beautiful story on the power of uselessness. Yes, yeah, we. Are- you know, we're, we're always struggling so much to be something, to do something. And again, sometimes just letting things just be what they are is the most useful position of all. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely in life do you meet people who just allow you to be who you are. Mm-hmm. You often feel like you have to say something, do something, be something, look a certain way. Mo- you know, kind of uh, mollify them in a, in a certain way. You, you always have to be doing something, any, any, almost anything other than just being who you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the greatest gift, I think, that we can give to another person, the space to simply be who they are. Mm-hmm. But they don't have to change who they are in order to be something that we need them to be. Oh, yeah. Well, those are the people you end up loving the most are the people that just let you be you when you walk in the door, right? Yes, you don't have to change anything. You have to put on airs. You know, they're not judging you by you know how you look or how much money you have or what you can do for them. No, they just appreciate you for being who you are. Right. Uh, that's a true friend. Yes. Well, that's a real friend. Let's do a, uh, let's look at a chapter real quick. We have a little bit of time left. Uh, where do we go? Where do we go we have really, we have really uh, prepared way more material than uh, show <laughs> this time. We've, you know, we've never gone... We, I don't think we've ever uh, had a recording session where we ran out of material. Oh, well, it's uh, difficult to run out of material, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about this forever. That's true. Let's see here. So we have a chapter 18. Chapter 18. Yes. Chapter 18 of the Tao Te Ching When the great Tao is forgotten, kindness and morality arise. When wisdom and intelligence are born, great pretense begins. When there is no peace within the family, filial piety and devotion arise. When the country is confused and in chaos, loyal ministers appear. So I I feel like this passage is almost like kind of reverse engineering. <laughs> so it, when when the great Tao is forgotten, kindness and morality arise. I see that as when like, being that the Tao is an all encompassing way. Like the, the, if we're all on the way, people are already kind of kind, right? We don't need moral codes if everybody is just on the way. The moment you pull that out. Suddenly now we need to make rules of morality. Yes. We need, to, we need to create this infrastructure to keep everything moving. Exactly. You know, uh, but, but if, if everybody's on the way, then everything is already taken care of. Everything is in harmony. You know, the Tao embraces things by allowing everything to fulfill its own nature without any unnecessary effort or pretense. Right. Um, Indeed, we often hear the most strident cause for morality, you know, just say no or whatever. <laughs> when we hear these things, they rarely, if ever, really work mm-hmm. <laughs> because people are going to be doing what they're going to be doing anyway. And instead, these slogans, if you will, become kind of clarion calls that people who are trying to be pious and tell others what to do and not do in their own lives are frequently calling for morality and setting up conditions 
for more immorality to actually exist. Okay. Um, Again, you know, if if you try to, uh, it's like trying to tell someone, you know, don't think about a pink elephant. Well, you know, (laughs) good luck on that. Or I just lost the game. (laughs) Yeah, you lost the game. Right. And and so it it leads to hypocrisy, Mm -hmm. you know. And again, people are very sensitive to hypocrisy. That's why I think you look around the world right now and a lot of our major institutions are losing a lot of the respect they once had. Yes. Because people see them for what they really are. That all of these things that they have been calling for, these strictures and these commandments and these rules and regulations, number one, they aren't following them themselves. Yeah. And and so when you have someone that's supposed to be, you know, kind of a, you know, holy man or something or following a, a, a holy a religious a sacred path and yet you know they're the ones who are actually you know kind of improperly making more money than anybody else oh, yeah. not really sharing it really really with the poor yeah. you know and here they are trying to sound pious with their know, private jet it, it, it doesn't look good yeah it, it doesn't look good and so that is not the way to have a just and fair society. The way to have a just and fair society is to m- ensure that everybody is getting the space they need to be exactly who they are, thriving and fulfilled and happy. Right. Rules and laws and regulations are not going to promote that. Right. They never have, they never will. And the most rule-oriented and regulated societies in the world are the most tyrannical and oppressive. Right. Uh, just think about the, you know, the, like uh, uh, totalitarian type of societies. They've got the most strict and harsh laws anywhere. Right. Uh, would you like to live there? No. No. <laughs> uh, so trying to be... Um, so rule bound that you're trying to tell everybody how to behave and how not to behave uh, actually winds up creating a, a society that is uh, unlivable and oppressive mm-hmm. because it is not sensitive to human nature and it is not allowing human beings to thrive. People thrive when they feel supported on one hand, that's the nurturing, and free on the other. Mm-hmm. Nurtured, cared for, loved and free to become exactly how their particular path is going to allow them to develop. I, I see this also, this last thing. When the country is, in, is confused and in chaos, loyal ministers appear. Oh, yes. <laughs> so if you think about it, uh, lots of the greatest I don't know, leaders that we talk about are, are, you know, if you had like Winston Churchill or Franklin Delano Roosevelt or George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, all of these people uh, governed in a time of complete chaos and war and all this. Mm-hmm. And then the people who kind of uh, were around in, you know, kind of peace times and stuff like that, their names aren't spoken of because they didn't have a chance to sit and go out and <laughs> do something grand. It's like, you know, it's like Bill Clinton was president, but he was president in times of uh, you know, end of the Cold War, so there was no big war to fight. The economy was doing well, mm-hmm. and so he, who knows if he would have been Abraham Lincoln <laughs> or what, you know, or would have been, you know, whatever, because really the opportunity to do something grand and, and huge wasn't presented. So it, it's almost like out of catastrophe comes these great leaders and men, but. Although, 
Lao Tzu uh, would disagree mm. and say that the 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 wisest king or, or emperor is the one who leaves the le- least amount of impact and right. effect. Right. Uh, he was almost invisible, but yet right. everything that needed to be done got done. Right. The people were happy. They were prosperous. The crops grew. The trade was wet, was good. Yeah. Uh, everybody's lived an, a nice life without the heavy hand of the gov- of the governor, of the king, right. telling everybody, you must do this, you must do that, you can't do this, and you can't do that. Right, yeah. And, and so throughout the Tao Te Ching, uh, Lao Tzu is giving advice to ministers and to kings and to emperors and telling them to basically back off, back off. Uh, when, when, when everything is taking place and working and nobody knows you're there, you're the great king. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'd like to thank C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten, for sitting and speaking with me. My name is Todd Perry, and you can uh, find us on Twitter at What's This Dow? Uh, and uh, shoot us an email. We've got the contact information on the site, which may be different than what it is at the time I'm speaking. So go to the website, hit the contact button, and uh, you can uh, shoot us an email and we'll we'll, uh, answer your question on the show. show.